the Podfix Network. Hello and welcome to episode 233 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to F it up in our very, very humble opinion. Today on the show, we have the dynamic, the fantastic Wyatt Rockefeller and Julie Fabrizio. They are the filmmakers behind the outstanding new sci-fi film Settlers, which stars Johnny Lee Miller, Sophie Boutella, Nell Tiger-Drew and Ismail Cruz Cordova. Settlers is out now and it is brilliant. It's on Sky Movies. Do go check it out. And I had a brilliant chat with Wyatt and Julie all about how they made Settlers, how it came about. How do you film on Mars? How also do you make a robot look real? What's it like working with named actors? What about pitching before that? How do you pitch to them? What about directing these said actors on set? How you get your shot list and the best way to do it? And how being a first time producer and director was a plus? And why having a great team around you is vital? All that is coming up for you on this week's Filmmakers Podcast. Yes! Thank you all so much for listening. Your love of last week's episode with the brilliant, of the amazing Amy Duddleston, should we say, who is the editor of Mayor of East Town. And for those of you who did listen, you will know how important an editor is. And for the filmmakers out there, you will also know that. She gave some amazing advice, but thank you for all your love. Honestly, it was really appreciative. I am Giles Alderson. I am a writer, director, and a producer. And last week, I finalised the post-production on The Stranger in Our Bed. It is the thriller. We put a little hiatus while I was off shooting Wolves of War so that we could come back. And do you know what? It was a joy. It was a joy to watch it with fresh eyes. So I'd highly recommend doing that. Maybe you go off on holiday somewhere. Maybe just sit in a, a, a hole and just lick your wounds for four months and then come back to it. But I was really pleased and I have to give a huge shout out to Marcus Moll who went above and beyond our amazing sound designer. Thank you. Myself and Dean sat in with him. And that's it now. That's it. It's like the close the door on any kind of editing on grade on sound mix, on ADR, done. Now we have the deliverables to do. Now deliverables, if you don't know, are full on. I don't know if any of you have done deliverables, but it's kind of crazy. Distributors, sales agents, they want the world. And it costs you, dear filmmaker, money to do it and certainly costs you time. So I'm just gonna give you a little rundown, a little list of what you have to deliver when you deliver your film. It's called the delivery list for a reason. <laughs> so you've got to do your ratings, um, ratings board. You've got to have tagline, synopsis, long shot synopsis, short synopsis. Uh, you've got to have copyright holders. You've got to have bonus material that you've got available. Maybe a film website, the social media information. You've got to provide a trailer, the viewing link. You've got to provide, obviously, the screening link and password. You've got to give artwork, stills, EPK. This artwork has to be layered from the existing poster. You also have to give a minimum, minimum, boys and girls of 20 approved high resolution stills. It is vital you do this on set because you will fail this step and because you have failed, they might not now pay you. Fact, 
It is so important if you sign the contract and they give you that deliverables list, you have to hit that deliverables list. You have to make it. Otherwise, they won't pay you all your money. It has caught a lot of filmmakers out. I haven't finished there yet, though. You've got to do a sell sheet. You don't know what that is, you have to find out. You have to do any reviews you've got, production notes if they're available, screen credits, likeness provisions, billing blocks, dubbing subtitle restrictions, feature dialogue and continuity spotting list, music cue sheet, music licenses, music lyrics, cast and crew list obviously, but you've got to do that separately to your actual credits, copyright registration certificate, E&O in insurance, chain of title, master materials. The list goes on, boys and girls. That was just the tip of the iceberg, so I want you to be prepared and be ready that when you're delivering your film, if you're doing an independent, it's a lot and it's hard work. Filmmaking never stops because it just doesn't. Then you've got after that, you've got to work out when it's being <laughs> shown or out there in the world. Then you've got to do all the press and socials for that. So listen to me now. If you're a new filmmaker, there's no glamour. It doesn't exist. You might get a moment at the press screening or a premiere, maybe. But even then you'll be shitting yourself because so-and-so's late, you've got to make sure they're there and you've got to do your speech. There's no glamour! <laughs> Why do we do this? But speaking of thorough information, speaking of important information, a new book has just come out. It is called Full to the Brim with Fizz Ginger and Fierce Determination. And it is a modern guide to independent filmmaking. And it is written by our dear friends and often co-hosts, Tori Butlerhart and Matthew Butlerhart. This is brilliant. I've already started reading it. It's huge valuable lessons and secrets from the industry. And it has amazing conversations peppered throughout with people like Ian McKellen, Stephen Fry, Margaret Matheson, who produced Sid and Nancy, Gareth Jones, the producer of Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, Aki Omashabi, who the director and writer of Real, and some distributors, and a guy called Giles Alderson also makes an appearance. But don't, don't, don't let that put you off, honestly. This book is amazing, and I happen to be featuring in it. Um, tiny bit. I'm in it. I'm in it. But these guys are amazing, and we are giving away a signed copy of this book. Matthew and not me. I know you all suddenly thought you're going to get me signing it. No, no, no. Maybe one day we'll do that for you. But for now, you're going to have to just settle for um, Matthew Butlerhart and Tori Butlerhart. I will sign this for you. You can win this. If you want this brilliant book, which has a glossary at the back, we were talking about this a second ago, of things people do on a movie set or words people say. And it is really cool. Some words include banana, dirty, hotties, hero and they're all featured you want to know what they mean because they get uttered on a film set often then you need to get this book so to win this copy this signed copy uh, all you have to do is tweet at fizz and ginger films and filmmakers pod why you should win this book i want brilliant answers and brilliant reasons and you can have it only one winner though but there is a link to the show notes you want to buy this book and support these brilliant independent filmmakers there is a link now it's available on amazon go get it so there you go remember we are on patreon at the moment there are even more amazing bonus episodes for you from our incredible guests talking more about the independent filmmaking world and how you can succeed and how they did it so patreon uh link is in the show notes come and support us we do this for the love of it so do come and give us a little bit love and support it would mean the world to us and while you're at it why not go on itunes and give them a really cool five-star review and i'll tweet about it for you how about that 
right, let's get to today's episode with the director and writer Wyatt Rockefeller of Settlers and the producer Julie Fabrizio. Here it is. Sit back, relax, and be wowed by how they did this. Enjoy. Hey. It is a delight to have you both on Wyatt Rockefeller, Julia Fabrizio. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. Is that right? Yes. How are you guys doing? How, how is everything at the moment with you and your world? And obviously you've got Settlers coming out, you know, July the 30th, right? So it's when this comes out, this episode, the film will already be out. So what, we're literally like a couple of weeks away from the release of your debut feature film. How are you feeling at the moment? What's going through your mind with it all? Well, I think we're just excited for people to finally be able to see it. We shot this in the fall of 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was very fortunate. We actually almost pushed to what probably would have been March of 2020, which uh, of course probably wow. meant it wouldn't have happened. Yes. And uh, we actually had just locked picture when COVID descended. And so we had basically an extended post-production on the film, uh, which frankly probably helped make it a better movie ultimately, because uh, we just really had that opportunity to tweak and, and get things right. But uh, it has been a long time coming to, to finally be able to share it. We've been sitting on it for a little while. And so we're just very excited to be able to finally show it to folks. Yeah. Uh, Julie, how do you feel about this? No, it's one of those things that we're so familiar with it, that it kind of, it, it feels very close. And then to have it be seen in the U.S. on a big screen, but in everyone, you know, elsewhere in people's homes, other people's homes, it's a bit of a pinch me moment. Because mm-hmm. it's like, wait, like we made this and people are actually watching this, which is quite um, cool, you know, to know that something that you put your time and effort in is is then going to be able to be viewed by other people. So, yeah, very excited. It's a wonderful feeling. It's surreal and odd and strange. I kind of put it into, it's not your film anymore. The way I see it now, I kind of go, it's your film until you deliver it out to the audience and the release date. And then it becomes their film. And then you get the fans who love it. And then you get the people writing about it who just decide to write, you know, mean things. And and it becomes theirs. It's a really weird thing. All that work and time and effort of just, the craft and working really hard on it and watching it over and over and over and over again to suddenly let it go is really strange. And you're sort of going through that now. And that whole process is, is fascinating for me um, to, to talk to you guys about it. I I love this film. I actually thought it was brilliant. I couldn't believe it was your debut movie. I didn't realize that until um, after I'd watched it and I was like, Oh, well I'll, I'll look up Wyatt and Julia and they'll obviously have done a whole back catalog of other movies. And I go, Oh yes, I know that movie and that movie. And the fact that it was your, debut made me just go wow it was so well planned so well thought out so just brilliantly made and the camera work the performances the cast I'm like this is your debut and you've got this amazing cast you know Johnny Lee Miller Sophie Batella Nell Tiger as well Uh, and I'm just like this is this is incredible so let's talk about that how how does how does one <laughs> manage to make a huge movie like this? And in my mind, it is a huge movie. It's it's for a debut. Most people make it for ten grand, or they go make something for a hundred, and they just try and make something. You've made this what in my mind is a beautiful big studio. It feels like a big studio movie. Let's talk about your star. How did it come about? How did you manage to get settlers to to 
there? So we, Wyatt was writing this while I was at business school in the UK. After I finished business school, we happened to be married, right. <laughs> by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> and we had a long talk. Um, we Actually, I was married. We were married a week after I finished the program and we talked about what to do next. And I used to work in finance. Um, and so we just decided to give it a go. We started a production company. Um, and I laugh when you say the budget of a first feature film in our business plan for starting our production company, I think the budget was somewhere around a hundred thousand dollars for this, for this film. Um, And, and then shortly thereafter, I mean, when Wyatt set out to write this, to start back, he was writing the script. He did purposely write a script with uh, on one location with a few characters because we thought, okay, this is realistically something that we can get financed. Fortunately, I think starting with the script, we did send it around to people we knew he knew from film school, people we knew in the in the industry and friends and who we thought might be interested in reading it. And that was really what helped us is a, a friend's brother who works in the industry. He read it. He loved it, called up Wyatt, asked if he could send it around. He sent it around to a few agents, a junior agent at ETA called Wyatt out of the blue. Um, he's called Houston Costa and he loved the script. And was like, let's make a movie. Wow. Wow. And he asked who Wyatt saw for the roles. And the the role of the little girl was really important. And we just had one person in mind for her. And it was Brooklyn Prince. And he worked closely with Teresa Peters. And he was like, well, we represent Brooklyn Prince. Let's get her on the phone. And she and her family really championed this and the project from day one. And you know, we talk about making a movie and how it feels like it's a house of cards mm. and you need all of these pieces to come together at once or else it all falls apart. And she was really like a pillar where she just never wavered, even though the cards kept changing all the time. And so, yeah, I'll let you add to that. But I think it really started kind of with with her. And I think it was a role that her family really liked for her because she came from the Florida Project which was happy, lucky, go free. And she's just so unbelievably talented mm. that this role really spoke to her. Um, and her, it was something that she hadn't done before. Yeah. I mean, to give you a sense of where our, our head was at before Houston called, uh, I mean, we, we had basically said it'd be great to find someone like Brooklyn Prince. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then when, yeah, when, when she attached and suddenly this, this, it sort of put it in a different category. And I think we were able to, with all of the cast punch above our weight a bit because mm-hmm. each of the roles was substantial. It was media. And that, that was a deliberate choice when writing the script. Uh, and it was an opportunity for, for people to, either show chops in a way that, that in a, a different kind of character than they'd played before or just play a meaty role. And, uh, and so I, that was, and that, that strategy panned out and I think helped bring this movie to, to, a, you know, a higher production level than, than we were anticipating at first. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it, it's wow. I think it's really interesting. Let's get into settlers then, because why not? Um, would you want to give us the, the teaser about what it's about and I'll play the trailer and then we can dive into it. Well, well, yeah, it's about a young girl and her parents uh, living on the outskirts of uh, changing Mars. So Mars as it may be one day when we have colonized it, but uh, things have not gone 
according to plan. They are effectively refugees from Earth, as we find out. And uh, anyway, strangers come along and things go kind of south from there. There are strangers nearby. No, it's just us. I'm scared. There's nothing to be scared of. No one's going to mess with you, kid. What about that one? That's Ursa Major. And how about that big, bright one? Is it Earth? Very good. Did you ever see a whale? No. How about an elephant? Earth isn't what it once was. <laughs> Is that why you left? We left because we wanted something more. We're very lucky to have this place. See anything? We can leave now. No, Rem, we can't. So you want to know what's out there? Nothing. There's nowhere else left. Cities, other settlements, all gone. The sooner that you accept it, the sooner you realize We have everything we need. Right here. That was the trailer. It is a delight of a film. If you like drama, sci-fi, thrillers, if you like these sort of uh, coming of age, beautifully well-made stories, you're going to love Settlers. It's 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 a really well-made film. Let's talk about then. So you had the idea for Settlers, and you were like, right, I've got you've written. You had you already written, or had you had a treatment down before you started sending it out to people and saying what do people think? He had a finished draft of the script first, and. Actually, I think I uploaded it to the Blacklist website oh, um, to get some reviews. Mm -hmm. And it because I'm obviously biased and the people we were we were holding it quite close. The people we shared it with were like, are they biased? Um, and so it was good to get some outside feedback of people who don't know us or, any, you know, at all. Um, and both maybe we had it reviewed a few times. It was trending the reviews were really positive and we're like, okay, this seems like we're not just biased here. Like people are responding to this. And that's then when we sent it out. Um, and at the time that we were sending, sending it out and waiting for feedback, we were, as I said earlier, this building, this house of cards, we were trying to do um, keep momentum going forward and build the things that we could control. So that was, 
finding the location. Um, and we had a few different locations in mind, but narrowing down the location and you know, figuring out who could be a line producer, who could be a production designer, like who do we know in these different things where we can kind of build up a pitch for other producers or um, financers of, okay, this is something that's real and is happening. And it's not just a story that's on paper. I think, yeah, yeah from the beginning, we, we said, you know, we have to create our own momentum. You know, this is only going to happen because we will it into existence. So as, as Julie says, what can we control at any given time? That's, that's where we're going to put our energy so that at least people perceive a sense of momentum. And, you know, this is such a fickle business projects rise and, and fall on the perception of momentum. And, and so let's always, let's just always be moving this forward in whichever, whatever way we can control. I love that. It's so important to do that. People sort of sit back often. They go, oh, I've got a script. I've done it now. I'm going to let them get on with it. If you're lucky enough to bring a producer on and often you still need to do the work, you know, you still need to be pushing it and pushing it forward. And it's great. You guys are doing that and did that. Just jumping back slightly, Wyatt, how do you like to write your scripts? Do you like mood boards? Do you have little notes everywhere or you just kind of do a vomit draft and see what sticks? How is it you work? How, you know, it's always interesting to know how screenwriters write. So, I mean, to be very honest with you, I think I'm still, I'm still figuring out what really works. You know, I, I've tried a lot of different things and, and, uh, uh, you know, banging your head against a wall until, until is a good <laughs> way of doing until it. Until you yeah. have something is, yeah. But I, what I find is that it does, I mean, it, you do need to create space however you can. I mean, there's, it, and writing, of course, everything else takes, it, is more immediately necessary. I, I think deadlines definitely help even if they're internally imposed, but I, I'm not someone who can just sort of jump into something and jump out. I, I, I really do. Even if it's just, but I, I, and even if it's just a few hours in order to be able to write like, you know, a page, it just, I, you do need that time to give yourself that space to get into uh, the world and, mm, and to yeah. make it, and yeah, I mean, that's, I think to a certain extent, I really did have the outline of this all in my, in my head and, and ultimately on paper, I mean, on a computer, I didn't have like a big whiteboard all, but I, I had, I guess the equivalent on, on my computer. Yeah. But I, I do find too, like sometimes just, just writing, like when you're stuck, like actually just putting pen to paper mm -hmm. more often than not actually yields a solution uh, to whatever block you had that mm. you wouldn't have otherwise thought of. Mm. No, it's, it's, it, uh, yeah, writing is, I think everyone's, that's why I find it interesting because everyone's got different way of doing it. Everyone goes, okay, well, I do it this way sometimes. And you've, with, like you said, I love that you were honest and said, I'm finding my way yet. I think that's great. You know, we don't know. My, my one's different every time, I think, when I write. But I like writing with other people. So I just prefer it. Um, I enjoy the bouncing off. I get lost on my own sometimes. Um, and it's, you can, I, but, and I love the fact that you said, no, no, you need to be in your world because there's nothing worse than halfway through. You go, oh God, I've got to change the, the wash. The wash needs to change. I need to put them in the dishwasher. I need to put them in the dryer now or the dishwasher needs emptying. Or it, it, all these things happen. The postman arrives. All these things just change yeah. in the middle of your writing process. Sometimes you just need to shut off and go, I need to dive into this world. Even if you don't write for two, three days, if you're in the world in your head, that's, that, that's the best place to be. Now you can write. You're free to do that. 
Um, yeah. Okay, so no, you agree. Yeah, good. So, so now you've got the script, you sent to the blacklist, you've got some really good feedback. And you, you mentioned there, Julie, straight away, you were going, oh no, we'd started to going out to production designers, all this. How did you even know to do that? How did you even know that was the way forward? And what was your first process with getting producers on board, Joshua Horsfield and Johan Kruger, etc., as well as yourself? How did it happen? We hustled a bit <laughs> and we're just. I have never worked in this industry before. So in some ways, I started with the things that I felt most comfortable around, which was financing, because I worked in finance before. And so I was just trying to learn, okay, how can we feasibly make a film in the UK? We had just applied for visas here and it was based around our business plan. And so there's this whole section in our business plan of why make a film in London and in the Mm. UK. And and there was these different tax incentives um, like EIS and SEIS financing and UK co-production treaties. And we um, were speaking with a friend about this who also works in finance and who's like, hey, I have a friend who used to be an accountant who now works in film. Um, he'd be a great person to talk to. And he put us in touch with Josh and we sent the script to Josh and he, he joked, I was like, can we bring you on as a consultant? You're so helpful. And he was like, you won't be able to afford me as a consultant, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I really like this project. I believe in it. Um, wow. I could come on as a producer. And wow. at first he, I think was an executive producer, but then his role very quickly changed to producer because he happened to have a lot more experience um than both of us but especially than me and then he when we were looking at locations we were deciding between south africa and morocco because they both have great tax treaties with the uk and um he had done a few films in south africa with johan kruger who's done 30 years so you know he's mm-hmm. he's just veteran producer and yeah, he's yeah maybe more than that sorry uh, yeah. but he's had a lot of films a big film <laughs> Winnie, Winnie Mandela yeah. recently and yeah absolutely huge yeah huge. yeah um and so he had just done I think two films with him they successfully were able to get the kind of UK South African um tax rebate and that that relationship especially with first-time filmmakers um was just crucial because you can you can hustle so much in the beginning, but then once cameras are rolling, you just want someone who has been through this and and mm-hmm. knows what they're doing. And so that that was extremely helpful. Um, and it was pretty incredible to watch them work. I was just blown away because it's a lot. I mean, there's just a lot of things all at once. And and we had. I think six weeks of a six week shoot. We did mm-hmm. 11 day fortnights, but it was trying to fit a lot in, in a short amount of time. And, and yeah, very grateful for having both of them on board, but that's how we were able right. to get them on board. So it must've been a kind of a crash course in financing films for you both. Um, especially for you, Julie, sort of just going into that, you know, SEIS, EIS, all that kind of stuff, um, shares these days in companies and production companies you have to do is kind of like my, it's hard enough for me. I've been doing it for 20 years and yet someone coming in you, I mean, it's great you were in finance before, cause that must've helped massively to understand yeah. at least the finance side of things. But was it kind of a crash course and how did you find it? What did you learn the most from it? Yeah, ab- Absolutely. I mean, the thing that was the best part of it is I had worked at a big bank before and it was very hierarchical and I worked on a trading floor. So inherently you're 
you're being thrown something very quickly and you have to make a very quick decision, but the back processes were very structured. There was a system in place and I was just part of this overall very large system. Whereas with film financing, I mean, you can put it together. There are traditional structures and there are systems in place like tax rebates, but it's, you can put a film together in so many different ways. There's no real blueprint. Yeah. I'm still learning. I still, I'm sure in the next film, you know, it will be done differently, but feel very fortunate that I had Josh and Johan as mentors because they're very, very just talented and like knowledgeable about how this all happens. Um, but yeah, I'm frankly, I am still learning yeah myself. well that's it we're all still learning and I think we should hopefully always be doing that you know we get more yeah. experience but we're all still learning you know it's I'm putting together a, a finance for a film right now and we're, we're literally about to close it all and it's been really hard work it's been the hardest uh so far just because it does a lot of different investors and there is a lot of different paperwork and someone eis someone shares in the company so you've got to manage all that and then make sure they're all happy with they're all getting the same returns on what they're putting in and it's really tough it's not what i set out to do as a creative you know i'm like i want to make movies i'm director you know and suddenly you're doing the paperwork you're doing the boring stuff and some people love it uh, and I've just had to learn to do it. But you find that you enjoy that. Obviously, that's something that you must sort of. <laughs> well, it's a puzzle. It's a puzzle piece. And at least with this, whereas before I worked in interest rates and mm. I mean, it's just so intangible in a way, even though they're hugely <laughs> important. Yeah. Um, whereas this, you get a movie out of it if it all comes together. So it's, it's pretty, there's something that you can see directly where, where, and especially when you then start breaking down the budget and you can just see like what you're getting for mm. each dollar amount. Mm. Um, I mean, the sets we built and we could only do that really in South Africa. There are full 3D sets and we, I'm sure we may get into that, but that's something tangible at least that you're, you're seeing, okay, this is going towards something that, and then you get the finished project product. Um, so that part was, much more rewarding than what I used to do. Yes, you're right. Rather than seeing numbers on a page and then they still numbers yeah. on a page later. Yeah, I see what you're saying. How did you actually, how was the finance brought together then? Was was it a, the co-pro money, but how did you manage to raise that in the UK? Was it a case of we'll just put, like you said there, it kind of just went, oh, we'll put it in. Was it that simple um, in terms of putting it together as far as you know? No, it was, I think the experience that you're going through right now with, yeah, it was definitely a bit more complicated. We had uh, NYU where why it meant they have a production um, that they put in equity. Mm -hmm. um, we have equity in our production company as well as in the film. Okay. Um, we had different people do loans on top of the soft financing um, which mm -hmm. hopefully, yeah, will be coming in. So it's, it was very piecemeal and yeah, happened kind of the, the actors really helped. Um, I think people could see the value in, in their names. So that was something that was very helpful, but it, yeah, it was, <laughs> thank goodness it did all come together, but it was, it, yeah, there were many, many moments in the lead up where we thought it was all going to fall apart. Mm -hmm. So and that's great that you had those amazing experienced people around you to help you through that because there's nothing worse than doing that on your own and going, 
oh my gosh, I'm so up my depth. So it's really great. And I think I said it on last week's podcast, but how important it is to have the best people around you you possibly can, Uh, you know, beg, steal, borrow to get them to join your team, if you like, because then you have that experience uh, of someone just saying, don't worry, it's okay. This has happened before. We'll find someone else or we'll make it work this way. I'll talk to them rather than you going, oh my God, it's all falling apart. I don't know what to do. It's it's frightening. Uh, That sounds, it sounds, I mean, it's wonderful. It really is. You mentioned there about Cass. Let's talk about Cass because uh, like you say, you had Brooklyn Prince on straight away and she is like amazing in this film. She's just, I was like, oh, she's so good. I want to use her and stuff because she was just, you know, her eyes, the the thought process. Process. And I imagine for you, Wyatt, you could direct her like you would an adult, you know, it was very much like you could see her thought process, her beats. Was was it like that with her? Absolutely. Yeah. She is just this force, right? Mm. She on set after she you know, delivered these performances, not, you know, she would silence the whole crew. No one would talk to each other afterwards. <laughs> and I remember the first few days you know, crew members were coming up just like, who, you know, who is this girl? They had, I guess they hadn't seen the photo and uh, in South Africa. And, and, and yeah, she just, I think also just the camera just loves it. Right. Mm. She is, she is magnetic. She's got mm. that it factor. And I, it was really, I think for her and for her parents, uh, Justin and Courtney, uh, who, you know, were, were really so supportive themselves and also crucial components to, her performance really, I mean, her dad was on set with her and uh, was critical to helping her get into the headspace to be able to, to deliver, especially in the more harrowing moments. And so working, working together as a team was, 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 was a critical part of that. And yeah, can't say enough good things about her. And, and and you don't need to. The film speaks for itself. You know, she is. She should be winning awards for this. It's incredible. Um, and then obviously you've got Sophie Batella and Johnny Lee Miller as well in there, as, as well as Ismail Cruz Cordova and uh, Nail Tiger Free. How did you get them on board? Because they, they're big names. You know, they can sell a movie. So was it the fact that you had your producers on board and you were going out to various cast and you needed them to close finance? How did that work and how did you pitch to them? Which is always a, an interesting one. With with each of them, they they had expressed interest through their reps. And uh, you know, there was definitely a, a courtship that that had to ha- had to happen with each. You know, each of them had to take a risk on on really me as a mm-hmm. as a first-time feature director. And so I think a lot of that was just helping them to trust that we we know what we're doing and, and this is going to be something that you're you know you're going to be proud of too and uh that and that we are going to be able to work together you know establishing that rapport right right away even before anyone's said yes and again as i said earlier i think you know each of these roles was meaty uh it was an opportunity uh for you know with brooklyn to play against the type that she played before you know in, in uh, in a more sort of harrowing situation. And I think too, with like with Sophia, for example, you know, this, this I think was an opportunity to show just like a whole, a whole range of emotions, you know, and, and to play this very conflicted character and, mm. and, and a real sort of enigmatic character because we're seeing her through her daughter's eyes. Uh, that's just, it's a very difficult thing to play, but 
working with each of them. I, I learned a lot from that. And each have a very different way of working. Like with Sophia, she really has a director's mind. I think she she would make a great director. She just is so uh, exacting in everything, you know. And actually, she'd come onto set and be like, you know, why why is that uh, bit of set dressing? there you know would they really would that be there if you know they've been here for 10 years and you know i'd, I'd give a reason and then when she was out of earshot tell tell the ad yeah let's get rid of that <laughs> and uh we really yeah that's a really good point um, yeah yeah and that that was her process you know she really just has this incredibly intense not only work ethic but just way of, of approaching her character whereas you know ismail for example likes to do just a series of takes, you know, and give, give you options and try a different variation each time without cutting, you know, so mm-hmm. he'll do three or three or four. And we were actually just texting the other day, you know, and, and he said something to the effect of like, thank you for, you know, giving me the freedom to uh, make choices. And I, I thought about that and, and wrote back, I only could do that because I trusted you. You know, I, I trusted those choices that you were going to, to make and that trust is such an important part of it and then you have someone like johnny who is so experienced mm-hmm. uh and it's not only just a real delight on set i mean it's just really fun to work with but he he's, he's also directed himself and learning from him was it was just a it was a great opportunity to work with someone who is just really dialed into their you know how how they work and, and also can gently nudge you in, into a way that's going to make you a better better director. You know? Sure. Yeah. It's a learning experience yeah. always. And just to add from your initial question, I mean, the agents for us mm. were very helpful. So Teresa Peters, who reps Brooklyn, but also Kate Buckley, who's the manager for Johnny and Sophia. And mm. I think bringing them and Dara Gordon for Ismail, um, but bringing them on board, like I think the cast we were very lucky because they're, they're all so talented that they wanted to play against each other. You know, it was, it was like, well, who wouldn't want to star opposite of Sophia who wouldn't want to be Brooklyn's mom or, mm-hmm. you know, like for all of them, it was, it was kind of an easy um, sell. We were the hardest. We yeah, were the hardest. Yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But and how did you prove that you weren't, what was your way of pitching to them that you could deliver? on a feature with big cast on your debut. You no, that was you because he was the one, he was the one they spoke to him after reading the script and afterwards they all came on board. It was pretty So Yeah, what did you do? I love this. I'll give the example of, of Ismail who was the last one to attach. By then though, you can go, we've got we've got Sophia, we've got Johnny, we've got Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I so I get on on a Skype call with him and Usually, I, in my experience, these calls, you know, I, I desperately want to be like actors tend to want to be like too. And so they, they're very enthusiastic calls. And, you know, we talk about process, although it was actually pretty funny. Johnny, when I started doing that on our call, he was like, look, I mean, I could tell you a bunch of stuff right now, you know, or we can just do <laughs> I actually really appreciate that. Honestly, yeah, I think you've been through enough of those that he's. I didn't say stuff, use a different word, uh, but he was, he was keen to do it. So, uh, but with, with Ismail, I, I get on and he actually was kind of 
reserved and kind of aloof, frankly. And uh, I got off the call and I called the producers and I said, I don't think he's going to do this. I, I, I think I blew it. But I texted him the next day, sending him images of the set and, you know, where we were. And, and it turns out, <laughs> so he, he, he did do it. He did, he did decide to do it. And it's a hard sell. Like we were shooting in an incredibly remote location, you know, seven hours from K-Town in the desert, basically in tent, you know, they were living in tents and, and mm. dealing with extreme weather. A few weeks into the shoot, I said, you know, I, I really didn't think you were going to do this. What, what happened? And, and he's like, I wasn't, I, I was doing this as a favor to my manager, the call. And I gave the script to my mom to read and she, she read it and she was like, actually, I think you should read this. And then, but then it was, the, he said to me, there was a call with Wyatt that really changed his mind. He felt you really, I think all of them felt as though you really knew your characters and had a vision for them. So you're, you're speaking with them about the script and how well you knew the characters. I think they then therefore felt comfortable that he is, he knows the characters so well that he will do a decent job, hopefully directing me to play Mm. this, this character. I mean, they're all extremely talented. They didn't have any issue at all. They probably could have been directed by I don't even know. I'm joking, but... No, but but I know what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean by that. Yeah. Actors want that trust. They want to know they can trust you. And I think you seem like a a really genuine, lovely guy. And and I imagine if you're there talking about the film and the characters in a way that they go, okay, yeah, yeah, I know he can direct me. I know he knows what he's talking about enough. And I know he's able to speak about the characters and their journeys. And, and that's what actors want rather than a technical kind of, yeah, okay, you can be technical, but that doesn't help me as an actor. And I think you obviously did that enough to, you know, make them go, okay, I want to do this because Wyatt knows what his vision is for this film. To, to add to that, actually, I had a call with uh, Johnny. It was a subsequent call and where we were talking about his role as a dad. And I had mm. just become a dad myself, actually our three month old son, our three hours for thank you. Our, our three month old son was on set with us. He was, wow. Three months. Uh, oh my gosh. Wait. Oh my gosh. This is amazing. Your debut movie. And you've both got a three month old son on set with you. <gasps> wow. Yeah. He, 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 gets a, he got a credit. He got a, <laughs> yeah? he got a thanks. Uh, well, he was That's basically thanks. like the stress, the stress toy. At people base just camp, come in you know, and like people hold were, were stressed oh, out. They come and squeeze nice. him. So he, he earned, he earned his place, but we were talking about being dads. Johnny's got a son. Uh, yeah. And he told this story about this moment that he was just really prou- proud of his son, just this, this sign of, mat- of maturity that his son showed and, and made this point about how as a parent, all you can really do, all you can really give your kids is, is independence. You know, you are basically raising them to be able to live on their own and ultimately without you. And those were the kinds of conversations we were really having about the characters and yeah, rather than, you know, the more sort of technical things. And, and I, he, uh, he seemed to respond to, I, I responded to it, but it's, it's a, ultimately this sort of collaboration recognizing, okay, we're on the same page mm-hmm. uh, and we can really play with this and trust each other. Amazing. Were you nervous before you went into some of those calls? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess yeah. they got easier yeah. as, as they, they go on, but uh, it is it is intimidating. It's first. daunting, isn't it? Because their name It's like, stars. yeah, I loved you in Trainspotting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a little awkward. Kingsman was yeah. my favourite movie. Uh, yeah, it's that whole <laughs> vibe, isn't it, of how you play it. And the more more you like, work with actors, the more, and luckily I've been, I was an actor for 15 years, so for me, it's that's what I love about you know directing is working with the actors. It's just 
brilliant. You know, I know what they're going through in their mind. And the more you get to talk to them, the more you realize, oh, they're just, they're just as, as fragile and as, as worried as we are. And they're just also, you know, it's their face on screen at the end of the day. It's, they're the one that's going to names all over the poster and they just want to make sure they're going to be safe, you know? Um, and that, it sounds like you put them in the right, right frame of mind totally. So South Africa for six weeks, uh, and you there, I imagine beforehand, when you've just had a baby, um, and you're prepping and you're building the sets. Now, how did you, the location is incredible. You know, the fact that you've made it look like Mars and, you know, it's totally believable. This is Mars and it's, it, I loved it. Um, did you, did you recce a lot of places in South Africa? Did you try and, yeah, they're nodding away going, well, yes. We recce a lot of places in general. Right. Um, so we, we had an idea we looked at Iceland because we were like, what if it becomes, mm -hmm. you know, more green? Yeah. Um, we looked at the Canary Islands, Morocco and South Africa. I did a lot of Googling of South Africa um, beforehand. Yeah. We also have our sister-in-laws from South Africa. So we asked and her parents are involved in, in um, television, but in that world. And so we were asking them, I think it was a Google search that had, yeah, found us Buell's Drift and then some Google Earth imagery, yeah. uh, imaging. Wow. And then we, um, through Johan, found a location scout and did the drive. Uh, and then you brought Noam Piper as well as your production designer yeah. and obviously building all these amazing sets. It just looked... I loved it. I really did. And he's done Welcome to the Punch, Paddington, you know. Uh, so he's, you know, he's knows his stuff. How was that? And did you design it properly, Wyatt? Uh, did you, you know, in terms of, did you draw it all out what, where you wanted the rooms? Or were they a big hand in that too? Well, so Noam was actually one of the first people to come on. You know, he, before, before any of this was real, you know, he, just he'd been someone we'd allied with. You know, he, he liked the script. He, he, wanted he thought this would be an interesting challenge to work in sci-fi uh and and stuck with us and but really i mean we spent our discussions were really around uh the backstory you know the, of this place why why is this here why is everything there because all of this has to have been transported for a reason effectively this is like a uh, terraforming franchise homestead, you know, where, mm. where you get your little plot of land and you go and you're basically seeding this barren ground and, yeah. and building your own little paradise. That's why everything was there in the first place. Well, it and, changed too. I mean, in the beginning, it was a, an abandoned wellness retreat. Yeah, and we thought, it was a yeah. we thought of it as a destination from the main settlements on Mars. This is one that was like an abandoned wellness retreat that just didn't go well. And um, and that was the early draft that he had designed. And then budgetary constraints, uh, constraints you know, we had to scrap that, um, but it still had to be in the distance. And so then it really started becoming, okay, let's pin down what what is this place? Because in some ways the backstory mattered, but it's really, I mean, the main story could take place almost anywhere. And so mm. for the homestead, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but he no, was a good point. very, you know, creative around, okay, how could we pack this place and, and transport it? Um, how could they get it there? Well, and that was, just, I mean, really, yeah, all of the backstory and, and sort of epic sweep of, of history <laughs> of how humans colonized Mars and everything would hinge on, on the dynamics of these characters, <laughs> you know, and, and would, would change overnight. Cause really that's what was of interest to us is, you know, people forced to 
could grapple with these impossible choices and consider options that they wouldn't in a million years. And that's because of how isolated they are. That was the mm. key thing. So figuring out why, why are they so isolated? Why are they so vulnerable? And so with, with Noam, you know, we, we really leaned into this idea that everything should feel modular, you know, either it, that it's been transported or 3d printed. Uh, mm. And then he took that and really ran with it. And so that, that is, I mean, there's a lot of like little things in the vocabulary that, that speaks to, you know, something that feels within a certain vernacular of what we think of, you know, sci-fi, you know, we yes. were always thinking about, you know, especially with, anyways, this, this is an indie film, indie mm. sci-fi, will people buy this, you know, they need to be able to accept the world if they're going to even get into the story, right? It's a yeah. high bar. And so we, we wanted to chart our own path and not make it look like anything that had come before. But at the same time, you have to work within what people expect to a certain extent. Same with yes. finding location. You know, people have this idea of what Mars looks Absolutely like. Do. And yep. we needed yep. to, to stay within that, I think, in order to, to make that happen. But then, no, I'm, yeah, just built, we came with these incredible sets and, and was really determined to be able to give us basically a full house to work work with and and had said you know do you want me to make movable walls or i can make everything 20 percent bigger because in south africa we really were able to just go bigger than we would have anywhere else and with billy now the 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 dp we're like no we want <laughs> bigger let's go bigger it definitely yeah and it really does pay off it just i love the size of it i think for me sometimes you can make sets too small and then suddenly you get there and you're like this what am I going to do? We can't get the camera in, let alone the actors. And for me, space is so important to have your crew there and you need it and you need that space. So I think it's one of the things people do forget a lot of the time is not making it 20% bigger. And if you've got a chance to make it bigger, make it bigger. I always think that it just looks better. Let's talk about the robot because the robot is just, you know, fantastic. I believed in it. Um, and how did you get that to work and do what it wanted to do? Was that like an R2-D2 moment of someone inside it going, oh, this isn't working? How, how was that for you guys? So that was one of the more fun parts of this whole process. I mean, that, right. that really harkened back to those you know, days as a kid trying to figure out how to make something look, you know, create something out of nothing. Yes. Uh, and and originally when I when I wrote Steve it was I was very naive about what that would entail you know I yeah you just wrote a moving robot called Steve yeah, <laughs> and, yeah exactly <laughs> and what we ultimately decided on was it was going to be a mix of VFX and puppetry uh, right. basically puppet for the close ups and and for you know the smaller movements and for more elaborate movements we would need to rely on VFX and what that meant was that there was just this thing from the beginning. It was this very, very collaborative process across departments. And for my, my direction was basically, I want form to follow function. That this is, he is this, he has a very specific reason for being, he is a component part of this whole homestead uh, package. Uh, he's basically a component of the terraforming process. So let's work from that. And, uh, and it was just this incredibly rewarding collaboration between the puppeteers uh, the VFX artists, the creature builders, the production designer, and um, producers as well. I can't say enough good things about about all of them. And again, as we were learning, I was learning as we were going. Uh, it was fun to see them really come come to life. Yeah. 
Absolutely must have been. And it works so well on screen. It really does. Julie Fee, the whole experience then of producing a movie, obviously you want to do it again now. I can tell by your thoughts, but so yeah. many people are so frightened by it and burnt by it that it hurts. What was your experience like as a whole diving into an industry that you didn't know too much about? And now you've made an outstanding feature film. What's the experience for you like now? If you could put into words to some of our listeners who are maybe new or they're just, you know, wanting to make bigger feature films. What what experience have you taken from this? I mean, I, I think I'm still wrapping my head around it. Nothing goes as planned, but it somehow all works out. Mm. I, it's It's just, we had this quote, ready um, in case, and I don't know if this is the most appropriate uh, time to say it, but at one moment um, we were sent a quote that was on Wyatt's grandfather's desk. This is when things were really, it felt like things were all about to fall apart. And that was, that happened actually throughout the process many, many times. Um, But it was, it basically goes like this until one is committed, there is hesitancy, the chance to draw back always ineffectiveness Concerning all acts of initiative and creation, there is one elementary truth, the ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans, that the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. All sorts of things occur to help one that would never otherwise have occurred. A whole stream of events issues from the the decision, raising in one's favor all manner of unforeseen incidents and meetings and material assistance, which no man could have dreamt would have come his way. I have learned a deep respect for one of Goethe's couplets. Whatever you can do or dream you can, begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. And that for me when we received that, it was like, okay, well, we're going to make this movie and yeah. it's going to happen. We're going to figure out a way. And so through all of like the South Africa visa issues to the, like so many different scenarios, but I think we just kind of made the decision right then and there, we have to make this movie. Like this just has to happen. Mm. And, and somehow it does. <laughs> it's just, well, like, I think yeah. actually in another, another, a guest on a previous episode of yours, uh, had said, you know, it's, it's cliche to say, you know, like to think after the fact that it it only could have happened this way. Right. Mm. Um, our, our take on it was very much, everything went wrong for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, looking back, you're like, well, you know, that actually, even though it felt like a disaster at the time actually worked to our advantage in the end. Mm. And I don't know if that's just because you, you just figured another way, but it, it, and it, things do feel inevitable, I guess, in, in retrospect. Yeah. But. And also we were very lucky because I really had no experience at all, but we, I don't know if we did this on purpose or if we just lucked out, but we had incredible people who were surrounded by like the crew that we worked with, Josh, Johan, the actors, I mean, the agents, like everyone we worked with was really, really solid and good at what they did. And so in some ways, as my first time, I was, I was able to ask stupid questions and get away with it. And, mm. and, you know, the things that you might expect to know when you've made 10 or 20 or however many films I could ask those things. And to everyone's credit, like they really did take the time to kind of explain to me how, what things are and how it works. And so, and I think most people in the industry, I mean, not everyone, of course, but like pretty much everyone I met who was involved in the project they're just really good, solid people. Like it's a hard job, especially in indie films. Like 
not all of them work out. And like, yeah, people are taking a, a real risk of their careers to be working with you. And so like, I was kind of pleasantly surprised at just how solid and great everyone was and how patient they were, especially with me when, you know, I was like running into the makeup trailer and they're like, no, no, this is not the time to run into there. <laughs> like, we're on a, you know, but, but it was just like the people who work in indie films seem to be pretty great people. I think mm -hmm. Julie's mm -hmm. selling herself a little, a little short here. She was very much, I think as people arrived on set and each of the actors recognized this, that she was in some ways the heart of, of things. If you wanted mm. uh, something to happen, Julie was the one to talk to. And, and again, that really extended from trust. They knew that she was looking out for them. Mm. And that I think is, that is so valuable in a producer. Yeah. Well, really I, I couldn't do a lot of other things. <laughs> so I had to, you know, add value where I could. Absolutely. But what's lovely about that is you were able to ask questions. And I think some people get so worried about asking questions if they've done bits of in this industry before, and then suddenly they get to a higher level and suddenly you're making a feature and people get scared of asking questions because they think someone will find them out. And, and it's so lovely to hear that you went, well, I don't know. So tell me how to do this. And next time I will know is a really brilliant asset because people just pretend they know when they don't. And that's where problems yeah. come about because people expect you to know this as producer. And the fact that you're going, hey, listen, take me on your journey. I don't know is, is wonderful. And uh, more people should listen to that and go, yeah, it's OK. We've all got to start somewhere. We've all got to, to you know, do this. So let's support each other. And, and so like you say, so many people in the indie film world will help you. It's the amazing amount of times I've seen a DP talk to, you know, a production assistant because he's interested in camera and just stop and just go, okay, well, this is how this works. And it's fascinating because they actually want to help. They want to help people succeed. And it sounds like your yeah. set was exactly like that. Um, why for you then directing it? What's your process when you're on set? And you're working with actors. What what do you like to do? Working with the scene, working with the cinematographer, Willie Nell. What is it? How do you do you block it out first? Talk me through a particular scene and, and how you like to work. Sure. Well, with with Willie, uh, I'll I'll say first, he and I spent an inordinate or inordinate amount of time together before during pre-production. Right, right. uh, it was raising some eyebrows, but we we had walked through every single scene with overheads. I shot listed everything uh, for some of the more complicated ones, like the action sequences I storyboarded. And so we were just completely dialed uh, right. and completely in sync when we got to set. And, and right. often we wouldn't even look at what we had put together no. beforehand. We didn't need to. And it, what was so great about that is that we could just not only just sort of work the plan that was in our heads, but we could also pivot on a dime because we knew, we just knew what this scene was, you know, and, and we knew that I trusted him that he, he was fully aware of what was, what was the intention of this scene from a storytelling perspective. He is a real storyteller in his own right and, and really does think in pictures. And so it was just, it was a great collaboration with the actors uh, again. I mean, each actor works differently and as a director, you know, your job is really to, create the environment in which they're able to feel free to in inhabit the roles and make and make choices. And I, I think a key example where, where actually I, I really just let the actors choose, and this was actually from a decision from the writing stage. So uh, this is why I can give a little bit away, but uh, towards the end of the film, you know, there's this moment where uh, Nell 
uh, playing the old, older version of the girl, you know, got a, got a gun on Jerry. And mm-hmm. um, in the script, he reaches for his gun and then she shoots before he can shoot her. And I had always thought, you know, I'm going to leave this actually up to the actress about what to do, because in some ways his reaching for the gun uh, is a cop out. Yes. Right. It, it's yeah, sure. It, it, it's, it's, she doesn't have to make the choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but I wasn't sure. And, and actually as from a writing perspective too, you know, so much of this writing process was trying to, you know, you're trying to put yourself in the heads of these characters and also frankly, writing as a guy, putting, trying to put myself in the, in the shoes of women who are being put in this, you know, a sexually exploitative situation was just really hard, hard to do. And so I wanted to leave it up to her. And I, I said, would you, what would you do if you didn't pick up the gun? Would you pull the trigger? And we had shot the, the, the attempted rape scene the night before. And she, which, you know, put her through the ringer and she just uh, was so incredible and gave so much that, that the night before in that scene, both of them did. Uh, and she thought about the experience that and where she went in her head in, for that scene. Mm. And she said, yeah, yeah, I would shoot him. Mm. I've gone through that. Yeah. And so that's how we shot it. Amazing. Yeah. It, it's, it's sometimes really interesting to ask the actors because they, even though you feel as director writers that we know the characters inside out, they actually live them and breathe them. And actually they think differently to how we think. And they go, well, I might not do that or I might do that. And it's great to put it, they, they love that. And it's it's not an issue at all to say, what, what do you think you do here? And that's great. Yeah, so your process often then with working with the, like the team was you'd set it up and you'd set your shots and then you'd play within there. Would you talk to them about, you know, how they were playing the scene, what you wanted from it? What was general notes that you gave? Yes. So we, we block it out and then I talk to the actors individually if they, you know, if they, if they had questions, I think, so I do have a very specific way of uh, approaching each scene. You know, I, I have thought it through ahead of time and I, that's how I work. I'm not someone who at least yet feels confident just coming in like, let's just figure it out. You know, I, I have worked something out and, and do make changes, but I actually think that ha- being just prepared and having a plan actually is part of that process of giving the actors that safe space in order to, to play. Like your job as the director is to communicate a vision for the story itself, but also how that, how this scene on the day fits within that. And then when people feel like, okay, he knows what he's doing. He, he is confident in this decision. I, I can therefore trust him in the choices he's made, I am then free to really just focus on, on my my part. And that is crucial, I think, to Mm. giving them the confidence to, to do what they need to do, which is, I don't know how they do it, but I'm just amazed by actors. They are a different breed. To add to that is, I mean, we were working under a really tight schedule considering the number of um, scenes that we had to do each, each day. And like, there was a lot of, you know, yelling of like, okay, we need to move, move, move on to the next one. And Wyatt is very calm when there's a lot of other yelling and things going on and did set the tone for the whole set to just when tensions are running high, um, just to kind of take a step back and, and get things, mm-hmm. you know, on track. Um, so 
I think that was really important to allow them because it's a dark movie. I mean, they're feeling mm-hmm. incredible emotions and have to give that and deliver that in a room full of everyone else, you know, they're watching them and incredible conditions of heat and dust and, and wind. And that was hugely important. I think to just keep that tone in a very, like very calm um, tone on set. I do think that goes back to that experience of, of crewing on, on other films, you know, Mm. just knowing how it feels as a crew member uh, when the director gets stressed and of course the director's stressed of course yeah it's incredibly stressful but uh, but you can't but you can't show it you know you just you have to stay calm and i actually do i mean time is your enemy right that's the that's the Mm. thing that you're always running up against and if if you start to panic that's when time really starts to move like you do actually i think have some control over over time in a weird way and just by staying calm by maintaining that sense just like keep putting one foot in front of the other. We're going to get to this and we're going to get everything that somehow works out. But, and that does ripple across through, through the cast and the crew. I totally agree. Yeah. You've got to keep your anxieties to yourself unless you're at that point able to, or you should do it, you know, because something's dangerous, but I agree. I think you, you, the control keeps the set ticking, uh, keeping it inside. And it's tough for directors and producers to sometimes keep all that inside or whatever. But, you know, it's other people are hopefully putting out fires for you as a director so you don't have to face a huge fire. You can face the end of a fire or, okay, give me some options now to fix that fire. Sure, but facing a fire when you're the director is very, very difficult. There's too much other stuff going on. So it sounds like uh, Julie did a great job and the team did a great job as well to, to keep all, all under control. That is true. I mean, Julie is the exception to this rule, which is that we, you know, at being married, we shared a bet at the end of the night. And so that's she, hard, huh? she yeah. would get, she would, that's when the floodgates would be. And I had a three month old in the room with me. I mean, we oh were in a little gosh. tiny room. Yeah. And he was at the yeah. foot of the bed. And I was like, shh. Yeah, she was, I was, she like, had, I can't she was looking after two babies. In, in I was waking up at four in the morning. I mean, wow, the whole thing. Wow, and wow. it was really tricky because we had a child actor. And so we had to mm. abide by South African rules and SAG rules yep. and South African rules are even more strict than SAG rules right. um, for child, child actors. So, yeah. Yeah. So it was just that I have to give the AD credit for scheduling. She's very, very good at, at scheduling and figuring out how to make this all work. So yeah, really tough. It sounds tough, but I mean, I wouldn't want to have a three month old at the bottom of my bed. I was coming home on the night trying to get some sleep from filming for the day, but it sounds like you've, I mean, you did an incredible job. You know, you really have. Settlers is great. Oh, um, thank you. Really well done. And it's distributed through, you've got IFC Midnight in there as well, haven't you, in, in, in America? And uh, where, who's, who have we got in the UK releasing it? We've Vertigo. Got, uh, Vertigo. Of course, you've got Vertigo releasing in the UK, which is incredible. You know, huge company. Um, it's really, really exciting. Very, very well done. Did you just did you just send the, the the screeners out? Was that kind of what happened with your producers? You sent screeners out, or was interest on from the start because of it your was cast? UTA helped yeah. um, with that. So United they um, yeah. yeah, and they rep Brooklyn and Wyatt, and they really helped with packaging the film. So they sent a screener out initially to uh, US distributors and and foreign sales and agents. foreign sales agents. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was their whole 
model was let's sell the U.S. first and then bring on um, a foreign sales agent. And so we spoke with IFC and a few other companies who are interested. And we just really hit it off with IFC and their vision is really aligned with our vision because it's it's a sci-fi film, but it's not. Re- I mean, it is a sci-fi, mm, but there's so many set, other elements. But, yeah. yeah, because of where it's set, but it didn't feel like they were trying to pitch it as something it was not. They How they spoke about the film was really aligned with Wyatt's vision from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've so, always thought of it more as a Western. A Western, frankly. yeah. People oh, wow. trying to survive on the, on the fringes, you know, on a frontier. Yeah, and makes then, sense. Similarly, when we brought on Film Constellation, the foreign sales agent, they too had worked with IFC before, but also had a, an aligned vision for the film and film constellation. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so that we feel very fortunate with our team on this end of, of things as well. So, yeah. Yeah. It's worked out really well. Uh, Settlers is out now. Honestly, you guys have made an incredible film. We should be very proud. Uh, I can't wait for people to see this because I think it's going to knock people's socks off and you should be should be really over the moon. Final bit of advice for anyone going out there to make their first films, why it start with you? I think we've we've said it. Mm. Uh, which is but but it's worth it is worth reiterating because it really I, we really believe in it, it which is that you create your own momentum and focus on what you can control so you can you're always moving the ball forward. And so when people check in, you know, it's they see, hey, this is this is happening, mm. and even if there's actually not that much going on, you know, it's you, you are you are creating your own luck, and it, it it did pan out in this case, and you know, people come on who really who really do then help uh, make it into yeah. something something real, and, and real momentum comes along. And and I would just add to that for me especially, but on this project, just the people that we we brought on board, they're all really good solid people who were passionate about the project. They weren't necessarily, I mean, all of them fortunately are extremely talented too, but it wasn't like we were trying to reach out to, you know, the person who has the most accolades in a certain department. We mm. we just truly like hit it off with them. And it was that collaboration, which I think allowed this movie to get made as opposed to just going with someone who's perhaps very good but you just don't get on with them or can't communicate as well because when when things when the going gets tough as it will in in an indie film um it's good to have someone who you know will back you and you can communicate clearly with yes Uh, i love it great bit of advice and it's so true Uh, is there anywhere people can find you on the socials has settlers got a social media handle if not what's yours uh, so settlers, it's hashtag settlers, settlers movie, movie. Yeah. and um, there's going to be a website. I'm not sure if it's up. Settlers movie. I think settlers. I think it's settlersmovie.com. I have a Twitter uh, handle, which is w rockefeller or at w rockefeller. So. At yeah. W Rockefeller. Great. Okay, cool. Just because we'll tag you in all the posts when we're doing all the social media shout outs cool, when we're yeah, doing this goes yeah. out. And we will be doing loads um, to promote the movie as well. So super stuff. Thank you. But, pleasure uh, this has been amazing thank you your insights have been a delight uh, you two are amazing couple amazing people and I can't wait to see what you do next I'm very excited by that but I think you're a wonderful new voice in the industry so thank you very much for coming on and sharing your story with us well thank you for talking with us and 
Uh, it, I mean, you're very nice to say, say these things about the film and coming from you, that, that means a lot. So we just, we really appreciate this chance to talk about it. My pleasure. Uh, remember, you can go out there and make your indie film just as Wyatt and Julie have done. If you get the right team behind you, keep that momentum going, you can make it happen. And if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, it is your duty to send the elevator back down. We will see you next Tuesday, as always. So do take care and do go make your indie film and do share this if you like it as well. Wyatt Rockefeller, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Julie Fabrizio, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and take care, everyone, and uh, go out there and make your film. Make it happen. Bye-bye. <laughs>